Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Welcome into another Auburn Live show. Appreciate everybody joining us. I am Justin Hokinson from AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. If you're not a part of AuburnLive.com, uh, we would love for you to be a part of the community. We always have a seven-day free trial going on, so make sure you're at AuburnLive.com. Subscribe. Um, great community message board that's growing, uh, the corner. Uh, and then, of course, basketball, football, recruiting news, baseball all that good stuff will have you covered it's it's pretty crazy right now with recruiting and of course a basketball season for the ages so um, auburnlive.com appreciate uh, everybody going over there and being part of uh of our community all right let's get into this one uh, we're recording this on what's today monday um monday afternoon uh, shortly after the ap poll um has been released and we're going to talk a lot of basketball today and then we'll hit on some football towards the end with the staff changes and stuff that was announced on Saturday, making official kind of a lot of the things that we had reported at AuburnLive.com. Um, all right, special guest with us today. Uh, you may know him from Twitter. He's become very popular. Um, he's a good dude from Birmingham. We're not going to reveal his name. We're just going to call him Auburn Memes. You know him as Memes. Um, and he's on the Auburn 3 board. He's a popular poster on, uh, on the corner as well. Memes, what's happening? Hoke, thanks for having me today. Uh, I, I would say I normally wear this on Mondays, but when you're number one, you got to pull out the special hat. Yeah. Just in case anybody doesn't know. But Auburn basketball for the first time ever, number one. Number one, first time ever. And, and I'm glad you're on for people that are like, who, what, why? So, so Memes is a good dude. Um, and uh, he, he does a great job on, on Twitter of kind of rallying the Auburn Twitter troops. There's, there's, some, uh, there's some that are, are kind of the leaders of that army, and, and Memes is certainly one of them. If, if, anybody, if, if anybody that's on Twitter, obviously you know about the meme blasting after basketball games by now. There's probably so many people that aren't on Twitter that maybe they've heard of it, and, and there's probably some people that, that still don't even know what the heck we're talking about. But um, anybody that's familiar with what the, the Auburn fan base does – after basketball games on Twitter, posting memes against the uh, opponent after they post a score, you know, Auburn memes has a, is a big part of, of starting that and uh, sort of led the charge on that. Um, it is generally a well-knowledgeable Auburn guy. Um, you, I think you'll you. notice and has some, has some good opinions. So I wanted to bring him in and, and kind of provide some, some color and he'll sort of be a special guest moving forward um, and have some fun with it. Yeah, I was blessed to be here. And of course it, it really got rolling with the Twitter spaces. That's how, the uh, me be behind the mic a little bit more started to be blue boom mainstream as we started hosting those and we realized with those spaces and Hoke was instrumental in joining us with those we, we caught lightning in a bottle and it was really cool to be very interactive get a lot of the opinions and the moods and the conversations and the real the voice of the Auburn fan base and actually let them actually literally verbalize the have a real voice not just typing not just asking a, somebody a mailbag, but actually getting behind the mic and getting to speak for themselves. It was really cool to give people a medium to do that. And it was a really fun platform. And that has led me to be here to sort of continue vocalizing that voice for a lot of the people behind the mic on the, <clears throat> for on three. So happy to be here. Happy to have Auburn number one. Most Mondays suck. This is, I, you couldn't draw up a better Monday aside from maybe winning a, an actual championship. Yeah. So Really pumps for, I guess we could say a, a late, are we in late January, mid January? We'll call it like late ish January. So mid, mid to late January. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's 24th. That's that awkward yeah. time in the fray. But no, we're ready to go. Man. I'm, I'm hyped up. Like I said, we got the hat on. We're ready to talk some basketball. Let's get into it. Um, all right. So Auburn's number one in the AP poll um, for the first time ever. So Auburn's been second in the AP poll four different times, including this year. Um, they were second in 98-99 as well as 99-2000. And then back in the 50s, 57-58, 56-57, somewhere in there, um, Auburn was second in the polls. Um, never been number one. 116 years of basketball, never been number one until Monday when they surpassed Gonzaga uh, with 45 first-place votes to become the number one team in the country. Gonzaga has 15, still has 15 first-place votes. Um but uh, really impressive for Auburn. I mean, they, they surpassed Gonzaga, who has become a, 
um, an annual uh, championship contender. And, and over the last 20 years, is one of the best basketball programs in the country. You know, they passed Gonzaga, and Gonzaga didn't even lose. So I think it shows you, you know, what this Auburn team has done, what they did last week, including beating Kentucky, which is, I think, the one a lot of people wanted to see. Um, and so they pass Gonzaga. Gonzaga doesn't lose. Auburn still gets it done as the number one team in the country. And, um, you know, as I said uh, on Twitter, look, the rest of the season is the rest of the season. And, and whether Auburn wins an SEC championship uh, or a national championship, that remains to be seen. It's really hard to win a national championship in basketball, like really hard. Um, you get to the tournament and anything can happen. Um, it's hard to win an SEC regular season championship. That's a lot of basketball games and a lot of consistency you have to have. But I think it's important for Auburn fans, regardless of what you may, I don't know, regardless of what other programs or analysts or pundits might say, like, well, what, why, are you, why are you so high about a number one ranking uh, in January? Or if you're thinking, well, we still want to win the championship, that's all fine. But understand Auburn's never done this before. You made history. Um, it's a benchmark um, for this program that will that will never be erased. Um, it's a historical moment for for Bruce Pearl, who's now led three programs. If you go back to Southern Indiana, who's Division Two, Tennessee and Auburn, all to number one rankings. Uh, Tennessee had never been one before Pearl. Auburn had never been one before Bruce Pearl. Um, and so I think it's important to take a moment and appreciate this moment as a historical moment, regardless of what happens the rest of the year. What Auburn did. Uh, was a big deal. It was significant. It matters. Um, and, and it's something to be proud of in and of itself. You want to win a championship, but what happened on Monday is a big, big deal uh, for Auburn, for Auburn basketball. And I think people need to keep that into perspective um, when they think about this. Go try to win a championship, but savor this moment and, and brag about this moment because it is a big deal. Well, yeah. So the, the part of this, so we're going to look at the uh, bringing in as being somebody on the front lines here on the internet. A little bit of what, the, what were the haters saying about this? And let's zoom back to last Monday when that real disappointing gut punch came of hitting that number two, thanks to one particular voter. A lot of people said, well, you could have got number one. It wouldn't have mattered. Y'all going to lose to Kentucky Saturday anyway. So y'all had that number one ranking. You probably would have held on to it for just a few more days after this. So, haha, you don't even get your chance at it. You're definitely not going to get your chance come time the next day people drops which would have been today so voicing from what that was going to be uh, i believe somebody had said this on twitter and i apologize for exactly who it was but they they described the win over kentucky as consummating that number one spot so it wasn't just hey you're number one to you actually got to play somebody good and really get challenged to be number one it is you beat one of the best programs in the country currently one of the best historically and there's no doubt anymore. So it wasn't just a, you want, you got the number one spot by default. It was, you went through the trenches and you earned it and you beat probably, I would say the, what's going to end up being the best regular season opponent Auburn's going to face this year and beat them pretty soundly. So that just adds even a little bit more, I guess you say weight to that number one ranking is that it was earned all punches thrown. There was nothing left on the table. And as somebody that's on the front line of the haters, I mean, that's what a lot of people really just look in their chops. is like, ha ha, Auburn to get the number one. They're not getting it now. Because let's be real, not a lot of people thought outside of Auburn, not a lot of people thought they were going to beat this Kentucky team, especially not the Kentucky people. Oh, man, they, they are licking their wounds today. As you stated, enjoy it. Take this one in. It's historic. And like I said, it wasn't just – well, Auburn got to that number one spot because they didn't beat anybody and everybody else just happened to lose. I mean, it was fought and clawed. And Auburn was getting a lot of doubt from the beginning of the season. It's not like they just rode some top 10 preseason pull all the way to the top. I mean, it was – Auburn started – what did they start the season officially? 22. Was it 22? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's – gradually a, moved up as, as they went. That yeah, LSU win kind of bumped them up probably into the 13. Well, they said they were already about there. There was a win before that that bumped them up. They win LSU, kind of bumped into 10, and then they've been sort of there – and this is the week 18 poll, or is it 17? Um, let's see. They're in week – I've got it right here. Hold on. Okay. Week 12 – it's the week 12 AP poll. So they, probably, they might have waited, but it's the 12th AP poll. Just ignore my awful guesstimate on that one. So, oh, I remember – okay, dyslexic moment. I was looking at January 17th 
Mm. From when I was looking at the poll, that's where the 17 came from. Yeah. There's not a big brain under the Salby hat. But yeah, that's a, but that, needless to say, that's an entire season of buildup to get there. And like I said, it's not like a whole lot went Auburn way where all these people just started losing and losing and losing. I mean, it was just playing consistent basketball and only having one multi-overtime loss to get there. I mean, all, let's be real, too. Auburn has the best record in basketball right now. Yep. Despite the fact that there are some <clears throat> people who are consistently not putting them there. Because, I mean, I think your lowest ranking is number five. And then I think you've got a handful of threes and twos. So, yeah. B- bewildering i would love to see outside of people citing ken palm and various other computer rankings how anybody could try to argue legit with a legitimate argument outside of just skewed statistics that this is not the best and most consistent team in basketball right now no idea but man yeah. it is great it is great feeling now, i think it's important to point out um you know so we're talking about jesse newell who, ca- who caught all kinds of crap I wasn't to say his name. I wouldn't even. Say, I wouldn't oh no, they're, no, they're out there. No, we we say names. Um, we call people out. So Jason will rank Auburn ninth. He 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 put Auburn fifth. And um, you know, for 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 those that maybe don't pay attention, um, there's a lot. No, I wouldn't say a lot. There's there's definitely discrepancies in how people vote. Just like hey, look at the Heisman or anything else, right? People are going to be. They're just going to how they vote or how they view it is going to be different from another person. The AP polls odd, especially lately with all the computer rankings is you have people that there's, there's a mix of people on how they're voting. Jesse Newell is one of those people that votes basically by Ken Palm. Ken Palm's a very, very popular uh, computer rating. The problem is Ken Palm is a predictive ranking. It is not a snapshot. It's not meant to be a snapshot of what things look like right now. It, it's now it looks similar. Now you look at it and go, well, that seems like it should look like right now. It's going to be similar, but it's more of a predictive ranking uh, in how it weighs things. Um, it's going to have recent success in there, but it's going to have some other things in there too that sort of um, weigh kind of more of a predictive aspect of it. So it's not, that's not how you rank a team in the week 12 AP poll, in my opinion. This is the week 12 AP poll. It's the snapshot, how are teams ranked right now? This is the ranking right now. That's how it should be. And so you have a few voters that like to look at Kim Palm or some of these computer ratings that are not a snapshot of now. And that's how you get Auburn fifth. Um, or you look at the ESPN BPI. That's kind of the same thing. And Auburn's like ninth or 10th. Um, some of these computer rankings, Auburn's outside the top five, but they're predictive. And so they just kind of predict a few more losses for Auburn and figure they're going to finish kind of in that five to six to seven range where you look at Auburn and where they're, why they should be number one. Like you say, you look at whether it's ESPN or some other metrics, there's also a metrics called uh, strength of record or record quality. Auburn's number one in about everyone I've seen. And basically what that's saying is based on who they've played and their record, their performance this year is the, is better than anybody's in the country, taking into account who they played and what their record is against who they played. Nobody's performed better than, than Auburn. And to me, that's exactly what you should go off of when you rank a team. Who have they played? What's their record? So based on those two things, they've performed the best. Uh, their quadrant wins are the best. Their Q score, quadrant one and two wins. I think they're 10 and one. Um, I think now they're across the board. They probably have the highest average projected seed, whether it's Lenardi or Bracket Matrix. They're, they're, the number, they're the number one overall seed projected. So the things that should go into a ranking now, Auburn's won. And so whether they stay there or not, you know, we'll see. But that's kind of – that's why you have somebody like Jesse Newell ranking him fifth. He just decides to go more by Ken Palm, which is a predictive ranking, which shouldn't be how you rank a team January 24th, this week of college basketball. Well, fortunately, us being on the front lines of Twitter, if there was any way to mock or meme or just blow up this guy's mentions, I mean, he, he, has, he has definitely had – record-setting engagement from Auburn people in the last seven days and no one let him forget it I can assure you that I do want to I do want to kind of jump to the big segment here of the big reveal of this odd camera angle I know I didn't tell you in the uh, pre-show discussion yeah but this is still going into why this is a special moment it just a little background for anybody who may be watching this live on YouTube the I was going to work and getting my behind the scenes as pretty as hoax up there. I mean, he's got this beautiful backdrop. I look like I'm kind of an episode of Hoarders here. And I was going to fix that. And I remember one thing. And I'm going to pan my camera over or my head over just a little bit. And Hoke, if you see this guy right here, can you tell what that is? 
Looks like the cows that they dropped from the Georgia Dome. Well, I mean, they might have dropped them in Auburn Arena too, but that is absolutely oh, okay. correct. Yeah. So as you as you guys know, the, they did back in the day, yeah. Yeah, they keyword back in the day. Yeah. So they did the cow drops in Auburn Arena. So I did confirm this as I was remembering. I was like, okay, I need this background to be authentic. So I moved in my house, which is this right here, in 2017. And this cow has been hanging on that fan since about that time. And that, sure enough, is a Tony Barbie cow from the 12-13 basketball season, wow. which mm. yours truly was at that game. And that cow has survived. I believe it had a coupon for a free milkshake on it. And that's been hanging up there. And I kind of realized that when I was looking in this room, I said, man, okay, that season, Auburn went 9-23, and 3-15 and in the SEC, and even lost to our good friends, our now allies, Murray State. And I'm looking back over the schedule, and, man, you talk about just some ugly losses, some ugly basketball. I believe – was that the uh, Varez War season or was that the season after? I couldn't remember. I, I can't remember. But all the same, it was just one nightmare after another through that. And that cow hanging up there just reminded me, I was like, I probably caught that cow in a very uncontested student section that was probably had 50 people in it in its entirety. I probably walked in three minutes before tip off to empty hallways. And so I guess I just want to kind of reflect on that cow up there to just remember where we've been. And really that was less than 10 years ago. Yeah. And here we are now going from nine and 23 Auburn basketball being in an empty arena that, I mean, they couldn't, they, they couldn't pay students to come to those games back then. And then here you are, you've got, and this is something to talk about. This is a great segue to this. You've got students building a tent city the night before a game in freezing cold, foggy, misty weather. Yeah. It is unbelievable, the culture shift. And I think a lot of that spins with Bruce's personality and just seeing just how disinterested students were and just that entire brand when I was there. And I'm just saying that like, hey, I was a believer. So this was really special for folks that just, went through the trenches of Auburn basketball and to see where it's come in just such a short time. And I think you'd brought up the point of Auburn's record since 2018. Isn't that right? What was that number? Well, in the last five seasons, Auburn has 112 victories, which is the most of any program in the SEC. And they've and, won 50 conference games in the last five. The crazy stat is they've won 50 conference games in the last five seasons. The 10 seasons before that, they won 53. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. So I would be willing to bet if you took that number and then flipped it to see in conference where Auburn's number are, they would have to be very close to the bottom. I don't know if we have that statistic. Like, right I, I don't. I mean, but hat. you're going to look, if, if Pearl this up <laughs> in five imagine. years, you know, you're going to look back and go, okay, the last 10 years, Auburn won 100 conference games. The 10 years before that, they literally won half. I mean, doubling completely doubling uh, your production in SEC play for a 10-year period from a 10-year period is, you know, it's remarkable. And you mentioned Bruce. He is – that's where this all starts. It literally took and was going to have to take a, a personality unlike very few we've seen in college basketball to do what he's done at, at Auburn and in the environment. People just don't remember, man, that, that didn't that, – people that didn't go to Beard Eves – um, when Jeff Lebo was there, or certainly Auburn Arena when Barbie was there, man, there were seasons where the average attendance was 4,500, maybe 5,000, maybe six at some high points, average attendance wise. Um, well, during Barbie, uh, gymnastics was getting more people than basketball every meet, every gymnastics yeah. meet. I mean, their average attendance people. there in some of the se some of the Barbie seasons was probably six to 6,500. That was a stretch. That was tickets sold. You know, which they, which is how they do it now, tickets sold. But but it's pretty dead on now versus there it was tickets sold, but you might have 4,000 people in the seats or 4,500 maybe in the seats. It's different now. They still do tickets sold, but it's it's reflective of what's in the arena. I mean, Because you're not seeing empty seats. <laughs> no, it's basically sell, sold out. It was very different then. You might have some people with with, with season tickets, but they weren't they weren't coming. You know, they, they'd come to a few home games, and that's all, they, they don't, that's all they'd come to. So you can't even look at average attendance under Barbie, it's not even going to be accurate. I promise you, I was at some of those games. It was you're, you're talking about half, half full at you know at best. Yes, at best. Those, and that's before people leave before half. I mean, it would just yeah. pour out. And it took nope. somebody like Pearl to do what's happened at, at Auburn. I mean, you you didn't just need an influx of talent 
and a team that was good. You needed somebody to come in and and just ignite the fan base and the fire to care about basketball before they were good. I mean, remember Pearl's here for three seasons and, 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 and before they got good. I mean, they had some moments, you know, but I'll be honest with you, three seasons in, I, I thought, you know, does he still have it? I did. I mean, because it was three seasons in and Auburn had not really done much. Um, and you wondered, okay, can he rekindle what he had at Tennessee? Is, can, he, can he get that going again? Um, and he did that regular season that they won the SC championship, that, that was the fire that, that was kind of the spark that, that really lit everything, that team, the way they played. And they've been like that ever since you take out the COVID year, they're 54 and four at home since that season. And they've been phenomenal. I mean, you take out that COVID year, they have a regular season SEC title, a tournament title, a number one, a number two seed in the SEC tournament. Then COVID ends that season with Isaac Okoro and Samir Dowdy, who could have been the player of the year in the conference. And then this season, I mean, I talked about it in a column. I'm like, I keep expecting what is, we might know how far Auburn basketball has come when we hit a low point, whatever that low is, we'll know, do fans keep coming? Where are the expectations at? Like, um, it's just been on cloud nine basically for four, for five years. Um, but I don't even know what that low would look like. If you take uh, away COVID and look at the last four seasons, what I mean under Pearl, I'm not sure what a low would look like right now. It, it, I mean, what's a low right now for this team? Maybe 20 wins. I mean, he's got this thing in such a great position. I don't know what a low would look like at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's getting to the tournament and not sure if you're going to make it past the first or second round. I mean, I think that is going to be the floor of the program so long as Bruce Pearl is coach yeah. and long as nothing devastating happens, such as a pandemic or some crazy bad streak of injuries. I mean, if if players stay healthy, they recruit like they're recruiting. They coach other coaching. I don't see that being possible, but I did want that actually brought me into a really good segue because I think this would be really important for people to sort of understand. And I don't think I can think of anybody better to explain it than you. And I've got a chart uh, pulled up here of all of the regular season SEC tournament and then championships and then where SEC teams placed in the NCAA tournament. And I'm, I'm really focusing on the last 20 years because it's a little easier of a case study. But I think Auburn fans especially have a really good grasp of what does it take to build the foundation to be successful in football, given the longevity of the football program, and unfortunately seeing what Alabama had to do. And there's a little bit smaller of a case study than there is, which is how many good schools there are in basketball relative to football, just being the power balance. So how would you explain to people, because obviously it's no, no shock or unknown knowledge point to anybody that Kentucky is the pinnacle of basketball not only nationally but definitely in the sec for a long time and auburn has most definitely been shaking shaking the foundation of uh, that stronghold there but let's not forget too in the uh, especially in the early 2000s i mean florida had a hard run for a good stretch of sec dominance there making two ncaa tournament champions which is championships which is more than kentucky's won since 2000 yeah, they were right. runner they were runner up in 2000 and they made the final four in 2014. So, and obviously what Bruce did with Kentucky. So obviously the SEC East schools were very strong in basketball, but Florida hasn't really maintained that relevance despite having those really good stretches there for a number of years, pretty close together. So what does it really take to kind of gain? Cause everyone, we say we are speaking into existence. Auburn is a blue blood, but what does it really take to, kind of grab that stronghold and not lose it. Cause that's the thing about it is you see even what South, I mean, South Carolina made the final four in 2017. No one really remembers that a whole lot. Uh, even back in the day, LSU had some really good stretches and even Arkansas, but it's just, they were sort of flashes in the pan. And I, I think everybody would be very sad if that ended up happening to 2019 Auburn. Well, it was just a really good year. They had, they, they had some good shooters and went on a hot run and that was really it. And it's looking like, okay, you take that, the Isaac Okoro team in 2020 would have been a, a tournament team postseason ban the following year. And then with this, and as we were saying, there's real momentum going with this program consistency, but what does that really look like to actually build that to where say, Hey, Auburn could be legitimate SEC powerhouse and hold it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would say first is, you know, do you have a program that's got the history? And if you do, then you should be able to, um, you should never drop that far. You shouldn't. 
whether it's Kentucky or Florida. You know, Florida's not what they were under Donovan. They're pretty good. I mean, they're Mike White, pretty good teams. Um, haven't quite, they're not on that, that same level. But, I mean, if you've got, you look at Tennessee, I mean, Pearl leaves. They go through some bumps, and then they've got it back with Rick Barnes. Um, if you've got a program, you can sustain some of that. Auburn hasn't really had that. So, for now, it's Bruce. It's Bruce Pearl has got to stay at Auburn as long as he can. I mean, he is he's building a foundation now, um, and he's got to continue that for as long as possible to strengthen that foundation as long as possible so that when he does step down, there's a 10-year run of massive success, massive success recruiting in Atlanta, massive success uh, recruiting on a national level. You look up and maybe there's seven, eight guys in the NBA playing basketball from Auburn. Um, that's where he needs to get Auburn before he leaves, I think, for Auburn to try to sustain that because what Bruce is doing now is awesome, but you're not going to – whoever the next coach is, is not going to be Bruce. You're not going to have the marketing, the personality. The, it's just not it, – there's very few of, of Bruce Pearls. Um, so you're not going to have that. You're going to need to have a good program. Um, and where people say we're Auburn basketball, we love going to games, not because a coach is pumping us up anymore, because it's just good basketball and it's a good program and I care about it. Um, that's where they need to get to. And so I think I think it's going to take another, you know, probably another at least five years of Bruce doing what he's doing now to some degree of where you look back and you're like, Auburn's been in the tournament seven straight times, a couple sweet 16, whatever. Um, and you've got a, a nice generation of students that went to Auburn, then got out in the in, 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 the, in the workplace, in the world, and that whole time Auburn's good or, you know, whatever. Um, or you have people that are teenagers and then now they're in college or maybe, just, you know, you just need a good stretch of, of basketball, I think, for for Auburn to sustain it. Um, and I, I, I expect it. I mean, Bruce Pearl, whether he goes anywhere or not, Auburn needs to make some commitments to him in the basketball program to make sure he doesn't leave. Um, but if they can do that, then uh, – I think you're in a good spot, but, but Auburn just doesn't have that history. Like if Bruce left tomorrow, you know, I, Auburn being a, they, they, they'd be in a tough spot. I mean, I think they've got some good recent success for sure, but I just think you got to continue to build that foundation for another five, six, seven years, whatever it is, and then make the right hire. That's obviously big, make the right hire that can continue it. And, and then I think you're in, you're in good shape, but basketball, I mean, you see, I guess if you're, the one thing I'm learning is if you can go from Auburn, to what they were under Barbie, to what they are now, and even not now, go back to a few years ago in a two or three year span, you can get it done um, with the right coach and the right circumstance. I think the one Auburn, the one thing Auburn did have going for it was location to Atlanta um, and to the state of Georgia when it comes to basketball players. That was a big deal. Um, if they don't have that, they don't, I mean, Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, Chimo Kiki, all came from Georgia and Atlanta. Anthony McMore. I mean, so that was a huge piece of Bruce getting able to being able to get this thing going quickly is to land a player at the high a high caliber of uh, Chuma and then Isaac, um, and then Wiley was a big one too. There's a few there's a few things that happened early on that that really helped him get this thing going um, quickly. But having a recruiting base in Georgia and specifically Atlanta, and the Georgia program being down is a big is is one big key that allowed Auburn to really take off on this thing all right conspiracy theory here yeah do you think georgia's obsession with just chasing this football dream which much to my dismay to even say finally paid off for them helped in basketball just because they were just all in on one program and just let a lot of things slip through the cracks while bruce pearl just obviously was sucking up an incredible talent pool that really was in georgia's backyard Probably. I mean, when they went out and got Tom Crean, that was their attempt, like, okay, to, tr to try to get real. You know, that was their attempt to get a guy who's been at Marquette, coach Dwayne Wade, and been in Indiana, and decent name. They That was their attempt. And, 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 and look, I mean, when they went out and got Anthony Edwards, you thought, okay, Georgia's going to get behind this thing. Yeah, they have, I mean, they've had good players come through there. Absolutely. But, but, but it just stalled. I mean, when they got Anthony Edwards, I mean, they've got good. They got a, a Claxton's in the NBA. He's a good player. I mean, look at look at the players now. I mean, if their coach wasn't a jerk, that team should have Severe Wheeler uh, and Katie Johnson on it. And look at Ty Fagan at Ole Miss, who torched Auburn for seventeen. He came from Georgia. Um, can you imagine a team with Severe Wheeler and Katie Johnson on their on the team right now? Like those two guys guarding your guards, 
and just having a guard-oriented team at Georgia with those two players, oh, I mean, that, that would be a very dangerous team. So, um, But they just kind of stalled, and Tom Crean's – they just got the wrong guy, I think. They got a guy that did, wasn't able to to sort of put it all together. So I think Georgia's close to put to, to trying to get behind it, but it just didn't work out with Tom Crean. Um, but I just this, – this Auburn team, man, I heard some talk earlier about trying to compare it to the Final Four team and – I was listening to something where Gary Parrish was was talking about, it, and he said that this team is better. They're better defensively, um, and I, I would I would agree with that. I think that Final Four team Final Four team was better defensively than people give it credit for. It was it was a pretty good team. I mean, um, Bryce could really defend. Jared's a pretty good defender. Macklemore could block shots. Um, well, it was their it was their transition game that was also incredible too. Yeah, that team could light it up from three. I mean, you had Malik, Chuma, Bryce, Jared could all could all shoot the basketball. Samir coming off the bench could knock down threes. D'Angelo coming off the bench could knock down threes. Um, that team was was dangerous. But defensively, um, I saw a stat. Uh, I think the last twenty plus years in the Ken Palm era, every national champion has been in the top twenty five in offensive efficiency, but in the top like fifteen in defensive efficiency. Meaning that defense is important, and this Auburn team is in in the top in both of those. They're one of about 10 teams that have, that's, that's got that. Uh, they defend well on the perimeter. And then, of course, you've got Jabari and Kessler um, and uh, that are re- protecting the rim, Dylan Cardwell. And so they just they do a really good job. I think that's the thing. This team defends well enough um, to, to win a championship. It's a long way to go, but, you know, right now they're, they're kind of doing everything they need to do uh, to win a championship. Uh, by the way, I wanted to mention the other SEC teams because you brought it up. Here's the other SEC teams that have reached number one. Alabama, Arkansas, oh. Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Auburn's the eighth SEC school to reach a number one uh, ranking. Yeah, I was trying to – I appreciate you finding out. I've been trying to dig for that so long. And Pearl Pearl took Tennessee and Auburn. He's the, he's only the second coach to take two programs to number one for the first time. There's been a bunch of coaches that have done it at two programs, but uh, only two have done it where they've, they've taken that program. It's been that program's first time they've ever been uh, number one in the rankings, of course, with Auburn beating Kentucky um, on Saturday, 80 to 71. Um, in a really impressive fashion. And I want to talk about that game real quick before we kind of maybe move on to um, going over some football talk real quick and just sort of reliving some of the staff changes that have happened, just sort of talking about that real quick. But I want to get your take because I know you've – I know you've – I know you caught a lot of the talk, and I did too, and I even tweeted about it at one point, like, look, hold on, you know, is the Ty Washington injury. Um, so So – He's a really good player, and I, th- I think he's better. He's better and more important to Kentucky than I think Auburn fans realize. Um, I think Auburn's just like, well, you're you got a bunch of good players. They do. He's a good one. He's important. Like we're not downplaying his importance. But um, Auburn got down in that game by 10, 19 to nine. Okay, and then Auburn started to find them find themselves in that game. They stopped turning the ball over. And there was a stretch, I think, when Ty Ty went out, it was still like a nine-point game. But I think it's important to say that Auburn, I think there was a period from Auburn getting down 10 to where Ty Ty, it was, a, it was an even game. And so, yes, Ty Ty, you know, getting hurt and, 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 and being out of that game hurt Kentucky. But I, I don't think it's accurate to say that because he got hurt, that, that, that that's – Kentucky was rolling and then he got hurt and then and then Auburn got their got their stuff together. That's not that's not accurate. Auburn had like four turnovers in the first five minutes. Yeah, they played sloppy. Yeah, terrible, just really bad decisions. Then they got their stuff together. And there was a couple of minutes, maybe three, four minute stretch where it was an even game. Maybe Auburn even had a slight edge. Then Ty Ty got hurt. Then Auburn continued that momentum and, and, and got the lead to to cut the lead to four at halftime. So I just, I just, I think there's a little bit more nuance in the whole Ty Ty got hurt and that's why Auburn won thing. I think when you watch it closely, Auburn had regained some footing, had settled in a little bit, stopped turning the ball over and had played a stretch of basketball that was even 
then Ty Ty got hurt. I think he hit the floater. I think the floater made it a nine-point game or something uh, to make it 25-16, something like that. So, um, anyway, good player. And if they play again, you know, on a neutral court, I would I would imagine that, you know, things will go differently if Ty Ty's in the game. But, you know, you're talking about Auburn didn't just win the game, though. Auburn went down by nine and, and went all the way up by 12 in the second half before ultimately winning by nine. So you're, you'd have to convince me that Tata is a 21 point difference. Um, that's a huge difference from going down nine to Auburn eventually pushing it to up 12. It's not like Auburn came back and if Auburn had barely, like didn't take the lead till three minutes left and one by two, then I would I would be with you on the Tata thing a little bit more, but then Auburn took that game over uh, and pushed that lead all the way to 12, scored 51 second-half points. and was up by 12 in that game. And then Kentucky sort of hung around, and Auburn wins by nine. So Ty-Ty makes a difference, but by no means uh, him going out, does that mean that, that that Auburn doesn't win the game if he stays in? Well, we see this with programs who are respectively dominant in their sports. Hint, hint, Alabama. Is any time they lose to a school that they think is inferior, which – given the complex is every other school there's got to be an excuse there's got to be a reason there's got to be a rule change and I think we've checked all those boxes with Kentucky as we've seen on the internet given the statement today which I believe um, coach Cal was talking about a rule change for the picks that uh, Kessler had which we hadn't brought up yet but to the uh, keeping it with just the tie-tie situation I I tweeted this last night and I said well I was gonna spend a lot of time thinking about and I did across all of Auburn sports, what Auburn's record would look like, what the wins would look like, the championships, had Auburn just <laughs> never had any injuries across any sport. Yeah, Man, we would be, I mean, talk about the Iron Bowls we might have, the bowl games, the national championships, the SEC championships, across all sports. And yes, it stinks. And obviously we're never going to cheer for anybody to get hurt. I mean, that's not what this is about, yeah. but unfortunately. That's almost in an Auburn uniform. Right. I mean, but there are injuries that happen with sports and that is unfortunately part of the game that you just have to factor in. And every school has been there. I mean, after we lost the iron bowl, you didn't see Auburn fans going to change.org being like, Hey, play us again at Legion field when Bo Nix is healthy, bitch, let's go. But yeah, like Kentucky fans are just bombarding the, you know, anybody that'll listen, they're like, yeah, you know, come meet us, come meet us in Nashville. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how you do when Ty Ty's healthy. Bet you won't do it. You don't have integrity. Like, you're scared. And it's just like, it happened. And as you mentioned, too, it, there's no definitive way to even possibly think that one. Because was he going to play 40 entire minutes of the game? Probably not. He was going to have to sit out the rest. Is he, like, what, what would have been happening then? I mean, it would have been the same difference. So it was just, as you mentioned, Auburn played sloppy basketball. They turned the ball over. And was he a factor in some of that? I mean, you can't – you probably but from the game i saw it was auburn just making terrible mistakes passing the ball bad taking bad shots and also for a second there kentucky just wasn't missing any shots and as we mentioned at old miss that's not sustainable basketball you're not going to shoot above 90 percent or they hell they might have even shot 100 percent that first stretch the whole game like those numbers are going to average out which they ended up did kentucky stopped making just insane buckets every single time they stopped scoring after every single turnover every time. And then Auburn leveled their heads out, kind of got back in the game. I do want to bring up one last point with that, though. To, sum- to summarize, yes, Kentucky fans, keep laying on the excuses. Make sure you tweet them. We will address every single one. It's a great time for us. But on a serious note, what's going on? I've, I've just noticed a trend hardcore with the season. I really want to get your take on it. Like, what's up with Bruce Pearl really holding on to these timeouts? Because it seems like he's just really letting his guys play through him. And, like, I, I don't know, like, what he thinks he's going to do with them because they go away after the game. They go away after half. So, is this just part of his just coaching thing? Is this Because I don't think he's been like this before. So, what's up with that? He just isn't um, like, it's, letting runs happen. Yeah, that's his coaching personality. Now, there was maybe a point in that Kentucky game where a timeout would have been warranted. Um just, you know, Wendell had a couple of bad possessions straight. I think when, when Toppin had the 360 dunk, it was just as sloppy as it could be. Uh, Ooh, and, yeah. and maybe there was a timeout. But that's just his personality, his coaching personality, especially at home. It, at home, he knows he's got the crowd. He's going to let his guys play through it. But, man, the first seven minutes of the game flew by. 
um, because nobody was calling timeouts and, and, and Kentucky was hitting shots and weren't a lot of fouls. And so it was like, look up, and it's like seven minutes been played in, in like five minutes. How did that happen? But that's his personality. I mean, um, very rarely does he call a timeout. Matter of fact, one of the few times he did was Ole Miss uh, on the road. At one point, he called a timeout. And I'm like, if he's calling the timeout um, when his team's struggling, then you know that his team is really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen a lot. Um, I think he just, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I mean, I think there's some obvious ones where when you call a timeout, think about when Auburn went on that run and Devin Cambridge dunks that ball to go at 45-40. And Calipari is calling a timeout before Cambridge even dunks the ball. You can see it in the background of the photo. Um that timeout sent that arena into the stratosphere. I mean, it blew the roof off that place um, and it allowed for just a sustained party for a couple of minutes during that timeout. Hanging from the rafters of that will. We'll yeah. That. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe if you don't call that timeout, you go, go get a bucket, go get the second you get a bucket, it will quiet back down a little bit. And so I think that's Bruce. Just go get a bucket, play through it and go get a bucket. Um, it, I think it, when you call timeout, sometimes it legitimizes the run. It, it, it sends a signal sometimes to your team that you're worried about what's going on. And so I think Bruce just doesn't like to do that. Just I trust you. Go play. Well, you have mentioned a, you mentioned life. you mentioned Cambridge, and I, I think we got to mention that him and Jalen both had some nice bench sparks. And that's some of the, been the most fascinating thing in the team this season is like you're going to get a bench, you're going to get a, a spark from your bench, and there's just no idea who it's going to be consistently. And I think that almost kind of makes it fun. It's like a lottery. Like, all right, who's going to come off the bench and just absolutely get the highlight reel for this week? And correct me if I'm wrong here, but just from – this is told, not looking at stats, just totally just spitballing from memory. Really felt like Jalen and Devin were the two that really had that going. Um, I don't – I feel like I, – I don't remember Cardwell having maybe the best game this round. I feel like he had some – Yeah, he's – I struggled, but you know, I mean, yeah, it was like, yeah, it wasn't highlight real center. He didn't play awesome. Uh, he struggled a little bit. He, he came off his guy trying to block shots and let Oscar just get some dunks. Um, but yeah, it yeah, wasn't like he was a liability. Just wasn't, it wasn't like he was against Alabama, but would you say Jalen and, and, and Cambridge were definitely probably the two sparks was like, all right. I thought Jalen was, I thought Jalen hit, hit a couple of buckets in that first half. Mm-hmm. I, I really thought early on, I thought him and Flanagan, um, early in that game, I've watched enough Auburn basketball. That's what I do. This team was nervous. They were tentative in the first five, six, seven minutes of that game. It felt and like Wendell for sure had, had, the, had the nerves going. They're never like that. Um, they're never like that. And so I, I do think maybe the, 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 the moment um, of what the game means, the home crowd, the expectations, I think it got to him a little bit. I did. And Kentucky did not look – it wasn't bothering them in the first few minutes. They were jacked up and ready for the challenge. And uh, I thought Flanagan and Jalen, actually, the two vets, did a pretty good job early in that first 10 minutes of hitting some buckets. They looked like the moment wasn't too big for them because they've been in it before. And then and then, and then, then the rest of the team caught up. You, you know, probably make an argument for caught up, Wendell caught up. But I thought they – I thought Flanagan, especially early, I thought both those guys had some buckets, and you're like, okay – they look like they've been there before. Wendell, Katie, like a little bit of nerves with those guys early. I'll probably give Zeph a little bit of credit there too, just him being the most senior player on that team. Uh-huh. He definitely felt like he had – and obviously Zeph isn't the guy that's going to just – you're going to see the results in the buckets. You're going to see it just when he goes full honey badger mode out there. Yeah. But he he definitely being a little bit – having to look a little more in-depth of the nuances of basketball had some pretty good – ice water plays to where he's just like, Hey, we're here for the moment. We are ready. We're not faced by this. And just having that leadership across the board with youthful guy. And then obviously when KD was on it, I mean, KD's swagger when he gets hot and just, I mean, he, he is just a spark plug for that crowd. When he goes over there, Cardwell's ripping his Jersey off. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that like just uh-huh. watching the live videos of that stuff, you could just, as we said, you could hear the roof just blasting off that building. Yeah, I mean, but the more you watch this team and what they're developing into, boy, it's it's hard to not point to Wendell Green as a as the the true true spark plug. I mean, there there's some spark plugs. KD's one, and there's different ways they can score. I mean, they're so balanced. It could be KD, uh, Jabari, Walker, yeah, Allen. I mean, there, there's different ways this team can score, and there's different guys that can score. But there's another level 
this team hits when Wendell is on his game. Wendell didn't score in the first half. He scored 11 in the second half. Auburn scored 29 in the first half, 51 in the second half. When he is confident, when he's coming off those screens, he is, I tweeted it because I just, I, I don't know, I like to compare and, and try to um, make analogies and think about things and say, it's like, watching him when he's on, coming off pick and rolls is like watching Nick Marshall run the zone read. Oh yeah. But that's what I great, said. Great comparison. It's an instincts thing. It's just instincts. He knows how to do it. And he base and he generally makes the right decision on lobbing it, driving it, floater, layup, kicking it back out, whatever. Um, he just seems to me there's different spark plugs, but when Wendell's on, he can send this team into a whole nother level because of how creative he is with the ball, his ability to step back and hit those threes, which just light the place up. Um, but he just, he sets up Kessler, he sets up Jabari. It's just, Zep can't do that. Zep can run the offense and play great defense. But well, yeah, it, Wendell's got some things that when he's on, the teams can't deal with, they cannot handle him. And do I, do I leave Jabari? Do I stay back on Walker? That, that he just creates problems when he gets in the lane. So I, as much as I love this team, and I don't think you could point to any one player necessarily, but there is an element that I think Wendell takes them to another level. Well, yeah, you know, the second half when he was, when he was rocking it outside, that's when you really saw Kessler start winning those, winning those battles down low because who, who pick your poison right there. And that's when Kessler started getting those passages, dunking on their face, just I'm going up again that you can't stop me. Yeah. And then Jabari, I know this is definitely more to the middle, excuse me, more toward the uh, early of the game when Auburn was getting out of their rut. It, it was just Jabari's like, I'm the best player in this building. Don't make me prove that. And then when he had to prove that, and he was just, some of those just mid-range fadeaway jumper shots are just like, that's that's just cheat code. Like that is NBA shots. You can't stop that. No one at the collegiate level is going to stop that shot. Okay. And he just hit some of those. And that's just that was a sort of some of the beginning reigns of that. And just getting back to what you're saying is you've got Wendell out here doing this. You've got Jabari, who's a literal threat anywhere. Double, double guarded, triple, doesn't matter. He, if he wants to make that shot, he's going to make it on you. And then you've got Walker down low. And, and then KD is just good luck finding where he wants to shoot the ball from. So just having all of those factors out there, once everybody got heated up, as you mentioned, the nerves calming down. Hey, the moment's fine. Injuries aside, Auburn won the game. Make, make the excuses. Lay on the rule changes. Whatever, cry on the internet. Auburn's number one. They won the game. I'm sure a lot of people are eager to see that matchup in the SEC tournament again. But right now, Auburn controls their – it's just wild to even say in basketball that this, this far into the season, Auburn truly controls its destiny to – whatever they want. There's no one else that has to lose for Auburn to get whatever seating they want in both tournaments. And that, that's just a, a wild thing. And then even too, for the SEC, I believe clinching the regular season, assuming just pure chaos doesn't happen, uh, it, factoring in tiebreaker here, Auburn's got a three-win advantage over Kentucky. Isn't that right? So I looked for this the other day because remember, you know, Auburn and Tennessee tied and Auburn beat Tennessee, but, the, but it was co-champions. So I, I looked for to see if they've changed that, and I actually couldn't find it. And so, you know, I'm not sure if they've changed that or not. Like, I think Kentucky could potentially tie Auburn, and I think the SEC might go co-champions. Now, Auburn gets the one seed in the tournament, which is what happened uh, a few years ago. Auburn was the one seed, Tennessee was the two seed. But I don't know if they've changed that. I mean, they literally, that year, they awarded Tennessee a co-championship, which is a joke, because you're like, they're the only two teams with the same record. And one of them beat the other one. So why why are we just saying you could both get a trophy? But beat I, them bad too. Yeah, whipped them. Yeah, whipped it. So I need I need to see if they've changed that or not. Um, but you know whatever. Everybody. But regardless, yeah. regardless, Auburn's at least up two wins on them. Yeah, they're up two on Kentucky. They're up two on A and M and two so, on Mississippi State, I think, and three on it, everybody else. For Kentucky though, it would at least be three to lose the champ. It, worst case right. scenario, you at least tie it. But yes, it would be yes, three yes. to lose. Okay. Yeah, there's only a couple teams. Yeah, they're they're yeah to lose it, you'd have to be three games worse for the rest of the way than than those than Kentucky, A and M, Mississippi State. A and M, Mississippi State are good teams that'll prop that very well could go to the tournament. But those teams, I highly, highly doubt, highly doubt those teams will be three games better than Auburn. Kentucky's the only team I think 
that could be three games potentially better than Auburn. Auburn could falter. Kentucky would take near perfection. They're good enough potentially to do that. Everybody else, Bama, LSU, Tennessee, those teams all have three losses already. So they would have to be, you know, Auburn plays Tennessee later in the year, so we'll see. But then, you know, Auburn already beat LSU. LSU would have to be four games better than Auburn. Um, Alabama, if they lose at Auburn, there's no – they can't catch Auburn. Well, Tennessee, no, I mean, Tennessee played- maybe could pick up three games and beat Auburn maybe. But it can, to me, assuming Auburn stays healthy and keeps playing and the way they've been playing, pretty consistent – Kentucky's the only team, right? Because Auburn could go into still catch Auburn. Auburn could go into Tennessee and already have it clinched, which is a nice point from just kind of a a relief standpoint. Because that's probably the on paper right now. I'd say just being away and being Tennessee, probably the toughest game left. And watching comes Auburn. Uh, They go to Startville. That'll be a good one. But yeah, at Tennessee, that's that's your that's your toughest regular season game left. And Alabama, they just looked awful against Missouri, even playing Missouri at home, having to rally against that one. So I'm just – I'm not convinced that Alabama's going to be much of a threat in that department even if they start heating up again. I mean, it just – Yeah, they're, they're know, still they, going to lose some more games. I mean, they could yeah. heat up and still lose some more games. So Yeah, they, they just – I don't know. The, even against LSU and Missouri, they were just two pretty ugly, scrappy wins. And playing ugly, scrappy basketball is not going to win you a championship. So yeah. Um, not to say the team can't, you know, do a little something here or there, but probably not going to be the consistent product. Anything else on basketball that you want to hit on? Um, obviously, Auburn's 18-1, and 7-0. They play Missouri on the road, which will be a challenge. Um, Missouri's a different type of team. There's a reason Missouri whipped Alabama the way they did, because Missouri's really physical down low, and, and Alabama wasn't ready for that. Auburn's got some length there um, to handle that. Auburn's had pretty good success against Missouri. Um, they did go up there and lose – in 1920, but Acora was hurt that game. The, the, that, that team, that's they lost to Missouri and Georgia when Acora was hurt, and they just, boy, they struggled to score. But um, yeah, and I think with that, I mean, just we, it's funny because we've been saying this now for about a month. Auburn's going to lose some games, like just kind of prep. The fan base is on a high. We're on cloud nine, just trying to let everybody know, like, there's going to be some games lost, especially some away games. And if any home game was going to be lost, it's probably this one. So at least you, got through what seemingly be the most choppy waters for losing one at home, but just there, you know, it's probably going to happen. And at this point, it's going to happen to a more inferior opponent because Al officially Auburn is the best in the SEC and the best in the nation. It'll sting, but. Well, think some, to, uh, um, the final four season. No, might've been the season before that. Um, I'm trying to remember now, but one one of those seasons, you know, A and M came in there like two, it was like two straight years. A and M came in there and beat them. And, Bingo! Uh, yeah, they beat them at home. Two, yeah, A and M was okay. Well, one year A and M was actually really good. It was the same year A and M made a run to the Sweet Sixteen, beat the crap out of North Carolina in the tournament. Another year though, it was like, you know, what just happened? But I mean, so A and M's kind of had Auburn's number a few times. That so even though that game's in Auburn Arena, that'll be that'll be a yeah. and this game. They're a scrappy team, and you have to. I mean, obviously, Ole Miss was my trap game. I mean, Kermit, they, that's just what he does. He's always been kind of a thorn in Bruce Pearl's side, so getting that one done. But I would definitely say Arkansas away is going to be a tough yeah. one, and I mean, A and M's just they're scrappy, and yeah. they've done it before. So I think those are the ones you are most definitely going to have to circle. Uh, I think being at home, I think just how engaged the fans and everybody can be for Alabama. It's a rivalry game; you never know what can happen, but. Uh, Auburn will probably take care of business with that one. Now I was probably feeling a little bit more iffy on that one before, you know, maybe a month ago. But at this I point, it's a tight game. I mean, think about. I mean, Alabama. Alabama is just man. If they catch fire, you know, if they come into Auburn Arena and start hitting threes, all bets are out the window. Right, and, and there, and it's at the point now where, you know, they they loved always mocking, especially last year, especially. Oh well, you know, Auburn's got nothing left to play for than beat Alabama. We've got to post it or whatever the crap they would say. And the tables are going to be a little bit turned there because that's going to be, they're just going to be playing spoiler alert and they're just going to want to be the, you know, Hey, we want to, we want to give Auburn that first SEC loss. And yeah, it's just at at this point, Auburn's going to be playing. There's you're not hiding from anybody. You've got the target on your back and Auburn has become the villain in basketball. And I think a lot of that, you know, the whole Auburn family thing from just a perception of outside is gone you can really, this dates back to what was happening with Cam Newton in 2010. Cheaters, 
multiply that with Bruce Pearl and the Pat 40 stuff cheaters, what people have been saying now. And I think the fans have sort of embraced this just from the shit talking on the internet, probably myself being a big part of that problem, (laughs) but the outside folks made that the reality is they, they try to paint Auburn into this thing. And it was just like, you know what, like, we're going to embrace that. If you want the mojo, if you want the swagger, if you want Auburn to be the villain, like Auburn will be that, that comes with the target though. And they have been rising to the occasion. And I think that makes any, any triumphs and successes they have this season, all that more legitimate because you can say, Hey, we made this run and we got everybody's best game when we played them. And that, I think that's what makes it more exciting even to this point now is because it it wasn't, it wasn't kind of like the 2019, Oh my gosh, Auburn came out of nowhere. We didn't expect that. It was like, Hey, bring it on. And I think that's what makes it fun is just when you beat a team, when they're playing there here, here, Kentucky fans are going to start crying. We didn't beat us at our best. Uh, too bad. Keep crying. We won. The rest of the SEC in the postseason, that's what's going to happen. So I'm absolutely looking forward to it. But I think that could probably wrap up basketball for now. If we yeah. want to jump into, I think we got a little bit of, it's so wild to think foot, the sentence football news got overshadowed by basketballs. That's not like an Auburn sentence repertoire. Yeah. But yet here we are. So yeah, and they did that on and, and, and let's talk about that real quick and then we'll roll. And it's funny the timing of that. So we reported some of that stuff, but the timing was not lost on me that Auburn officially released their defensive staff changes at eleven AM Central on Saturday, one hour before Auburn and Kentucky played um in basketball. Um mainly because Derek Mason is now stepping down. And I think there's probably some negative connotation in that. And I think they didn't want to release that on a day where that got to be talked about and scrutinized and agonized over. Um, they slip it in, boom, everybody moves on. So we'll kind of go over this real quick. So Derek Mason, defensive coordinator, steps down, may go to Oklahoma State, may go to the NFL, may do nothing. Um, but he steps down as defensive coordinator. Jeff Schmetting takes over that role, who's been a defensive coordinator before. Uh, Zach Etheridge now coaches the entire secondary and is the defensive recruiting coordinator. Um, Jimmy Brumball returns to Auburn, a really good player for Auburn in the 96 range, 95, 96. Um, his coach to Tennessee, Kentucky, um, some other places. He returns. He's the new defensive line coach for Auburn. Christian Robinson, who's been the Florida linebacker coach for the last few years, is now Auburn's linebacker coach. Good hire there. Um, and that's kind of the main that's kind of the main changes. Obviously, the Mason one gets everybody's attention. Um, why did he leave? What's going on? Um, I don't have a I don't have a perfect answer for that. I do know that Derek Mason had opportunities with the Texas A and M. He even had opportunities with Notre Dame, and he turned those down. Um, whether he ended up at Oklahoma State or not, I, I don't know. But I think the one thing I, I think from what I understand is Derek Mason jumped back into this after coaching at Vanderbilt. And maybe this, you don't know going in, but as you look back, I just think this this fit at Auburn, whatever the fit is, just wasn't quite right. And so Mason is essentially stepping back from coaching, um, which is why Auburn made the hire or the promotion of Jeff Schmetting uh, and the hire of Christian Robinson before Mason's even gotten a job. So I think that kind of legitimizes that. I mean, Mason may, Mason can do whatever he wants at this point, he basically just told Auburn, whatever happens, I'm, I'm just not going to be here. I'm, I'm going to take a step back. Um, but I, I think Mason, like he did a good job, recruited well, stayed on through the signing days, stayed on until Auburn started spring classes to try to land some of these transfers. So I think he did his job in, in that regard. And when it comes to Jeff Schmetting, I think he's a good coach. Um, and I think he's got the respect from some of his fellow defensive coaches. This isn't a deal where Jeff Schmetting comes from Boise. He's a Boise guy, and he and Harson just propped a Boise guy. That's not what's happening. He's been a DC in the past. He's a good coach, from what I understand. And I, I don't think there's going to be any issues with the defensive staff going. We just propped up a Boise guy. No, no, no. They think he's a good coach, so I don't think there's any issues there. Um, and we'll see how Brumball does back in the SEC coaching and recruiting. Christian Robinson's a good hire. All in all. I mean, I think it's up to Schmetting. You know, what can he do as a coordinator of the defense? Otherwise, I think they're going to be fine on, on that side of the ball in terms of 
um, defensive coaches. But that's kind of where all the shifts happened. We already had Austin Davis. And look, nothing's been announced with Will Friend, so I guess Will Friend is staying at this point. We were all kind of wondering. There's some dismay into that. <laughs> yes, he's staying. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Auburn's offensive line's recruitment, you know, they thought they'd, you'd land some of these guys in the transfer portal and you missed on some guys. So, I don't know. We'll get a, We'll get another year of it. But that's kind of what's going on with Auburn's football staff, I guess. Got two elephants in the room I want to get at, or I want, I want you to answer, because yeah. this is what everybody's going to be asking, thinking, posting, et cetera. One, was the Mason departure due to or in fact thereof maybe him and Harson butting heads not getting along? That's the question number one. Number two is with the Schmetting promotion, what sort of scheme are we going to see defensively? Is it going to be the same? Are there going to be changes with that? Or do we know? I bet we know that I, that's more. So Cole Pinkston, who does a lot of that stuff for us, he would probably know that. I, I haven't watched Schmetting in the past as a DC. So I don't, there will be some changes, obviously. I just don't know what, I mean, it'll be similar. You're still going to keep that edge position. You still have Derek Hall and Eco Leota, and Dylan Brooks. And so I think it'll be a similar setup on defense. Um, but I think maybe, I would imagine maybe how you cover or or pressures. That's the stuff where you're probably going to see things change. Does he does he does he play more press man? Does he blitz more often? That's probably what I would I would look at as any differences from from Mason and Schmetting, which I don't know the answer to. Um, as far as Mason and Harson, I mean, I would say. Every uh, first of all, I think people underestimate the butting heads. I think that probably happens more than you think. Um, and so, but 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 I don't know. I mean, in terms of was it was it Mason was the reason Mason stepping down? Did he just say I can't work for Harson? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that Harson's tough to work for. Now he's 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 I mean he's he's tough and he's to the point and he's black and white and. Um, and so he can be he can be stubborn and and arrogant sometimes. I mean, he can be tough. It's his way or the highway. Um, but I think there's a lot of other things that go into the Mason thing, man. I mean, there's there's some – I mean, what Kirby Smart said the other day about coaches leaving the profession is is true. NIL, um, the way you're having to recruit now, the transfer portal, it absolutely is affecting some college coaches going, I, I, this is – I mean, this is – I got this is ridiculous. You know, I, I don't want to do this. Um, and so you don't know what that factored in. Did it might have had a small factor in Mason going? This is this is maybe not. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I definitely think there's probably a culture fit there, difference there with Harson probably that um, that just he thought maybe this wasn't the right the right situation for me, and so I'm going to take a step back no matter what. But that's kind of how I, I heard it too. Is regardless of him and Harson that maybe Mason just jumped back into it too soon. You know he had that stand as a head coach, and maybe he should have taken a year off. Um, so I don't think there's one good answer to that is what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of things that sort of culminated in Mason deciding that he shouldn't be here. Now, if he goes to Oklahoma state immediately, that might answer some questions because that's not taking a step back, um, in the college range. Um, if that's not taking a step back, um, if he goes to the NFL, that might answer some questions because that is, that's taking a step away from college. And that you could you could point to Harson, but you could also point to NIL and transfer portal and say maybe maybe he's just he didn't want a part of that and he went to the NFL game. If he takes well, a step back completely, then I think that points to maybe I should have just taken some time off. So I think it depends on his next move potentially and trying to read more into why he left Auburn. Yeah, and there's a lot of coaches that have famously made that college NFL jump to just in a, from anywhere in college to just NFL assistant to you know I'll, I'll cite our. Uh, favorite coach uh, Brett Bielema here being probably the most vocal of this, just being like, I love it. Basically like, I love it. Cause I can be like, live a much more lazier lifestyle being in the NFL versus the high stresses of college. Now that's a very um, expected sort of synopsis given who was the one who went on the rant about it, but trying to translating that down to English, you can breathe a little bit easier in the NFL in certain aspects, even you're an assistant. Versus having the grind and the just the the hustle of what kind of comes with being in college, so and obviously it's a personality fit. I don't think all, all of us out here are on a first name basis with Derek Mason, so we may not necessarily know like what does and doesn't work well for him. 
what his family status is, et cetera, et cetera. So there could be some things that just go better that we may not necessarily be privy to on paper that could totally make sense behind the scenes for him. So as you stated, to sum it up, this will probably develop and we'll probably know a little bit more once we be able to have a little bit, a few more dots to connect. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, um, and, and probably smart for Harson to release it when he did, it just, it just kind of basketball is the, the hot topic. Um, you know, you could argue, Hey, why would you release that right before Auburn's biggest game of the year? Are you, you know, did you steal any thunder? And the answer is no, they certainly weren't trying to. And, and honestly, it's, they, they, it was probably more of a nod to the basketball program. And Hey, we know that you're about to bury our news. Uh, cause you're more, cause what they have going on is more important. So I think it was, it was more of a nod to, Hey, we know basketball is about to, to be front page. So we're going to slip it in and then it's going to be basketball and people aren't going to be too concerned with trying to dissect sort of what we're doing. And I think the Mason thing is the main, if that comes out on a Wednesday afternoon, you're going to have hours and hours and hours of tweeting and, 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 and columns and people going, why did Mason leave? Why did Mason leave? Does Mason not like Harson? And you're not, you're not really going to get that because basketball has, has all the attention and, and well, nobody's going to go write that. Combo point here, bringing up both sports. Do you think it was wise for Harson to, or maybe not wise, that'd probably be a bad word to do it. You think he's gaining good brownie points from just going out there and high-fiving the students on, I guess, the oh, yeah. the the what was formerly named Pearlville now I think Jungle City yeah uh, <clears throat> is that is it a little bit of strategy there of like hey maybe we need to start working on being lowering some of our curtains down and trying to get a little bit more fan buy-in with us because I mean unless they're living under a rock I mean the ice is getting a little thin with what's going on there and they need they need that buy-in now more than ever because I'm sure there's plenty of people behind the scenes who are just licking their chops waiting for their opportunity to wedge back in. Yeah. Oh, there's no question. Harson had to go take advantage of that. The same way Bruce would take advantage of football early on. He would, he football games is how he would he would take make sure big time basketball recruits were here for big football weekends. Now, did know. we get some ba- did we get some football recruits at this game or did Usher uh no, that's miss on that weekend. one? That's next weekend. Um and uh but there's some big basketball recruits there. But yes, if Harson yes, Harson's smart. Yes, he went out there take advantage, show your face, which he did. Friday night and inside the arena, um, yeah, you you got to you got to you got to let some of that good good basketball uh, juju rub off on you right now, um, and you got to use that basketball program a little bit to, um, and him and Bruce text they talk so I mean, yeah, because I say surely that's got to be good momentum for basketball just from a recruiting standpoint. Be like, hey, recruits, you want to obviously you're going to visit Auburn, but you want to yeah. see the number one basketball program while you're there, and also do you want to see? And I mean, this you talk about just couldn't write it up better for the time of year. Hey, you want to see how hyped up these fans are? Just imagine them cheering for you and even a bigger stadium, more students. Yeah. Hey, look at them online. Like you see, you see how hyped up they're for you online. Like that's going to be, that's going to come to football too. So yeah, yeah I mean, they got to capitalize on anything they can capitalize on. And I mean, right now you couldn't, you couldn't have some better stock to pull from, from just current events at Auburn. Yeah. So uh, good times at Auburn for basketball, football, going through some changes. Make sure you're at auburnlive.com as a part of all of it. So go subscribe, um, basketball at Missouri, and then Oklahoma next weekend, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Oklahoma, pretty pretty good, pretty good team, so pretty good challenge for Auburn as well. Um, Memes, thanks for joining us. You're going to be back. Um, I got to run because I got to go talk to Bruce Pearl and see what he's got to say after Auburn – uh, gets uh, the highest ranking they've ever received in the history of their basketball program. So we'll go do that. Memes will be back. Um, he's going to be a, a regular guest for us. Um, look at him with the hat and the glasses. I mean, he's got ready to go. You're ready to go. How do you not come back after that? We're going to uh, get the Tony Barbie cow in here in, in there somehow too. Going to get it down from the fan. It was waiting for that number one ranking. That's why I was hanging out up there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think now's the, now's the time. So you served your purpose. Now's the mm-hmm. time. All right, dude. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. All right. We'll catch everybody later. Thanks everybody for joining us. Go subscribe and uh, we'll see you later.